Locked on Big 12 podcast. On today's show, the future of the ACC is very uncertain. According to an article from ESPN, what does that mean for the Big 12 conference? And what does it mean for college football at large? An interesting look from David Hale and Andrea Adelson there. Also a preview of a massive weekend in Big 12 basketball. KU, your outright regular season champions, but still so much to be settled on the hardwood this weekend. We'll get to all of that and more on today's show. Last show you guys will see here uh, in Costa Rica. I will be back in my normal studios next time uh, I'm recording. So we will have the visual effects. We will have the, uh, the video before the show. We'll have the music. We'll have the graphics. We'll have everything going on. So this, that's why this is bare bones if you guys are just coming to this. Uh, I know we have new listeners every single day, so uh, this is not the normal setup. I'm in a hotel in Costa Rica. But if you're new to the show, make sure you guys subscribe at LOBig12 is where you find us on Twitter. You guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast, and also right here on YouTube. Once again, please subscribe, comment, uh, and also like the video, tell your friends. All of those things really help grow this channel. Our goal is 3,600 subs. By the end of March, uh, we are, I think, like 3450 right now, somewhere in that range. So please, please, please subscribe. We're always covering Big 12 basketball, Big 12 football, uh, and, and conference realignment news, obviously, is happening basically every single day. That is what we're leading with right now because that is leading a lot of narratives when it comes to the narratives around college sports right now. But uh, something that a lot of you all have been bringing up to me in the comments section is the ACC. And if you all have been watching the shows I've been doing, I've talked a lot about really like the ACC can't do a whole lot, right? I, I kind of talk about the relevance right now. Like the ACC, it feels like it's out of the game right now in terms of movement, of things happening. They still have FSU. They still have Clemson. They still have Miami. They still have Duke. They still have Carolina. They still have Virginia, Virginia Tech, obviously very Strong brands, whether it comes to football, basketball, football plus academics, basketball plus academics, whatever you guys want to pick. They still have very strong brands in a variety of the, of the ways I just mentioned. And also, obviously, Notre Dame for everything that's not football. But, um, you know, it's really interesting because we got this article from Andrea Adelson and David Hale discussing the situation surrounding the ACC right now. And Michael Alford, the athletic director over at FSU making some comments. Um, and so I'll just tell you guys where I'm coming from the situation. So the ACC has a television deal with ESPN that is through 2036. That includes the ACC network, which is now available basically everywhere, right? It is now available in all places. They were having some issues. I think it was Comcast they were having a dispute with. They eventually did get it on Comcast. And now essentially, if you want the ACC network, you can get the ACC network. The distribution has become much better for them. Also though, but, but for them, you know, that's nice. The problem is the value, the per year value they locked it in for, it's gonna go up and down, but like it's not it's not especially strong. Um, you know, it's it, last year it was 36.1 million for the 2020-2021 season. I know last year, I think the Big 12 distributed uh, upwards of 40 million, right? So you can see that the Big 12 was distributing more. Now, I know it's with OU in Texas, but still the Big 12 is distributing more per school than the, um, the, uh, the ACC is. And also the Big 12 has now signed on for more money uh, per team and their television deal the next one they were before. And you might say, well, I lost. I mean, the value of the league went down with OU in Texas. But from when they signed the last deal in the early 2010s to now, it's 
live sports are much more valuable. So like the value overall has gone up, but the like the actual value of the league has been somewhat diminished. But the uh, the number, the physical number itself, has gone up. Now the value in relation to other leagues has gone down. Other leagues, I mean the Big Ten and the SEC. But in relation to the ACC, like the value is gonna go up because the ACC is locked into this distribution and they're locked in for a long time. And that's a massive problem that they're having. And so what this article tackles is some comments that Michael Alford have made about the way the ACC is gonna do business and or ways the ACC, I guess you could say, might do business in the future. This tackles a variety of topics, guys. I'm just priming you for what we're about to read here. This tackles distribution of money within a conference. Uh, so uneven distributions, straight up distributions, uh, you know, distribution based off of winning, based off of academics, based off of a combination of those factors. Uh, you know, that, that's what we're talking about here. And also things like conference realignment, like leaving, like adding members, all of these things, grants of grant of rights, um, grant of rights, and also agreements that schools have with the conferences, because those are they're separate things. I think a lot of us, these are complex issues, and I'm going to tackle this stuff, but just want to let you all know, that's why we're talking about this, because a lot of this stuff is going to impact college sports generally. The ACC has a chance to jump out in front because of their weird t TV situation of like, how do you do an uneven distribution model? Because some of the big schools are upset. And we're also going to talk about how ADs posture. Are they just talking to their fan base? Or are they all about business? Is it a combination of both? So that's going to be a lot we talk about here. Strap yourselves in. Let's do it. So this is something that Michael Alford, the AD at FSU, talked about. And David Hale, Andrew Adelson, once again, great job. Uh, they addressed, he said they addressed it publicly, bluntly, directly. He says, quote, at the end of the day, for Florida State to compete nationally, something has to change moving forward. The article goes on and says, in the next few years, TV deals for the SEC and the Big Ten will kick in that provide member institution to those leagues with 30 to $40 million more than Florida State will receive from the ACC. The ACC distributed $36.1 million per full-time member for the 2020-2021 season a number that should grow slightly now that the league has full distribution of the ACC network. I mentioned that. The SEC's upcoming TV contract, however, is expected to result in more than $70 million per team in payouts, while the Big Ten's new deal is expected to distribute at least $80 million per team. And also, guys, I want to mention this too, is that, um, that the Big Ten, the Big 12 and the SEC are all going to come up again before the ACC does. Big, big thing to mention there. So here's an interesting nugget. Uh, the Florida State, they split league profits among the 13 other members, and obviously if, uh, Notre Dame gets a, a portion from all the other sports they're involved with outside of football. But Alfred told the board that the Seminoles are responsible for a far greater percentage of that revenue, as much as 15% according to a consulting firm he hired on just his second day on the job, while they just earn 7% of the league's payouts. Obviously, they got 14 teams, or 13 other teams, 14 teams total, plus Notre Dame and other sports I mentioned to distribute. Put the two issues together. The size of the total revenue pie and how the league chooses to slice it up 
and Alford believes it will soon be nearly impossible for the Seminoles to compete for a national championship in football. Quote, I know how hard the commissioner and the office are working to provide solutions for the members of the conference to the revenue gap that we are projecting the upcoming years to the media contracts, Alford told ESPN. But at the end of the day, in order to compete to the standard we want to compete in, there needs to be change, and the status quo is not good enough. All right, folks, well, what is he talking about? This is going to be about uh, you know, a clear message to some of his less motivated colleagues. The timeline must be accelerated. For right now, Florida State and every ACC school are tied together through the league's grant of rights, which gives the league control over each member's media revenue and runs through 2036. That has largely insulated the league from realignment turmoil that has roiled the rest of the college football world since Texas and OU left. So, put a pin in this really fast. I told you all this a while ago. I spoke to Tom Luganbill over at ESPN, who I worked with at SiriusXM, about this. And he said, from what I've heard, and Tom is pretty plugged into the ACC. He works over there in the ACC channel all the time. He lives uh, in the ACC country. He said, from what all the people who in the know have told me, and Tom would not be facetious about this at all. He would, he would be honest. He said that that GOR, grant of rights, is very, very difficult. The words he used were ironclad. Very difficult to get out of. And this article even mentions there are things like um, you could leave, but you could not get your games televised anywhere else if you break the grant of rights in the ACC. And that is just something that you cannot do. So that's the grant of rights part of it. Also, the cost for departing the ACC, according to FSU's legal counsel, suggested it could be $120 million, uh, a figure that Alfred said hypothetically could be offset with just a few years of higher earnings in their league. Alfred's math, however, doesn't account for the grant of rights, which would make leaving the ACC or for FSU uh, a more difficult task. The league's agreement with its member schools requires an exit fee three times of annual revenue, so about $120 million. But the grant of rights could potentially prevent a team from earning TV revenue or possibly even broadcasting its games until the agreement expires. So think about this, guys. In their agreement with the league, uh, us plus ACC, you know, let's just say I'm FSU and you, the viewer, listener, ACC. I owe you three years revenue, basically, three times elite, you know, annual revenue or just three years revenue. Uh, so if it's $40 million, you know, you multiply that times three, that's how you get $120 million. But then we go to the grant of rights, which I have signed with everybody else in the in the conference in an agreement with the television networks, much like the Big 12 did. This is why Fox had to be made whole. And there's, they say, well, you have tied yourself to us. You may not go elsewhere and have your games televised. You cannot do that. Now, maybe you could, you know, I, I'm not sure about the legal part of this because, you know, let's just say you go to the SEC if you're FSU. Well, all of their games are also on ESPN, so maybe there could be some leeway there. I'm not positive about this. I'm not positive about that. But just, you know, that could be, they could be worked, worked on, maybe. But, you know, the grant of rights says, well, you might not be able to even have your games televised or you might forfeit TV revenues. And so that's what makes this so difficult for teams to leave the ACC. This is why when I see all of your all suggestions about, well, the ACC could take Pac-12 schools, the ACC could take Big 12 schools, we're West Virginia, take us ACC, please take us in right now. Like that could, ha like, you know, those things could happen. But as far as ACC schools 
leaving and going to the SEC, leaving and going to the Big 12, to the Big 10, it looks very unlikely. And even the addition part of it is unlikely because they're not distributing it. They're not distributing a ton of money. $36 million is a good good chunk, but if it goes to like 40, you know, 41, 42, you know, all the way up to like 45, 50. All right, who are you adding that's going to take that lesser percentage, right? Are you going to add somebody else that's going to take a lesser percentage? Are you going to add Oregon and Washington? And also, are your, this is the same thing we're talking about with the Big Ten, are your ADs, are your presidents going to sign off on this? It's a really good question. And so this is why, you know, this is why I mentioned the ACC, like, they're on, they're on their own island. The, all this stuff seems so tight and difficult. And I think this is why, and this is somewhat surmised in the article as well, that Alfred is maybe speaking to his constituents. By his constituents, we mean ASU boosters and fans, right? Like, we deserve a bigger piece of the pie. We should, we should uh, you know, distribute revenue differently. We might go somewhere else. Well, Here's what also the article says. Two-thirds of the league would have to agree on a different distribution plan and platform. And I'll tell you this. Like, Wake Forest is actually pretty good at football, and they're decent at basketball, right? Uh, Boston College, you know, Georgia Tech, um, you know, Miami, like, uh, you know, Clemson. uh, All of them are going to see this thing differently, right? Everybody's going to have a different agenda. FSU might see it one way. You know, if you're in Virginia Tech right now, like, great, you think you're a pretty big brand. I grew up going to Tech games. They are a good brand. But if, if we're doing a, a thing that's, you know, revenue based off of success, my God. You know, we're, they're not, they're not uh, going to bowl games like they were under Frank Beamer. You know, if you're UVA, right, basketball makes a killing. But football is around the six and six range pretty much, pretty often, right? I know awful what happened to them this year, you know, with the, with the, the players passing away. That, you know, but they were, uh, it was a five and six football team. I believe we were four and seven, somewhere in that range, right? Um, so like, you know, I think it was four and seven, I want to say that at that point, but like, you know, that's, you know, the, that program, Tony Yellow trying to turn that thing around, you know, we've got Syracuse and we've got Louisville and we've got Pitt and all of these programs are at different places. The programs that really have the impetus for more, uh, for a greater, uh, piece of the pie are FSU, are Clemson, are Miami, are Duke and Carolina, I would say, maybe UVA and Virginia Tech and, and schools like that potentially. But I would say, really, if you want a, if you want a for sure big three, Miami, uh, oh, actually, I'll just give you four. Miami, Carolina, uh, Clemson, FSU. Those four schools for sure. And what is a reason why, as a conference, you might do this? Well, you might do this, number one, because you might say, okay, it's good for our league if our top schools go and represent us in championships, right? It is good for our league if Clemson and FSU are representing us in CFPs and awarding titles. And their concern right now is that too much of the burden financially is going to begin falling on their donors. Because right now, this article mentions that 30 to $40 million gap that might open up between the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten. And uh, don't forget about that, folks. Those schools have donors too. So you know, if you know, if we're kind of talking about, hey, if, if you're, you know, if the FSU's donations are equal to Ohio State, I'm not sure if this is true, but like, you know, if it's equal, then then the television money will be the difference, and that's the difference. And you're way behind. You are way behind. 
And also, you're going to be asking your donors to get in on collectives as well or NIL deals. So you're asking a whole lot for your donors to pull weight. I understand that point. But the other side of it is this, guys. You might ask for an uneven revenue split. But what happens if, if Wake Forest, if Boston College, if Georgia Tech, if Louisville, if Pitt, if Syracuse, and I think it's more towards the Wake Forests of the world, right? Like, I think there is great season for Mike Elko, but uh, the fan investment in Duke football, not quite there, right? They, they didn't, didn't feel like, uh, you know, you didn't hear about Duke football's fan investment for an 8-4 season the way that we heard about Kansas's for a 6-6, six and six, right? It just wasn't really – now, I know Duke's had a bit more success, but still, you haven't really heard about the, the explosion of um, enthusiasm for Duke football. So I think we're tracking that, you know, you have, you have to track this, uh, tracking this point here is that, okay, what if those schools said, sure, we'll give you all a bigger piece of a pie, or we'll say successful schools have a bigger piece of the pie, the brands, the FSUs, the Clemsons, whatever, bigger piece of the pie. But what happens when they leave in 2035 and 2036? So you gave up more of your revenue. They took it. And guys, they're like, if... I hate to say this, and I hate to say this about the Atlantic Coast Conference because I grew up on that, being from Virginia. I grew up in the ACC. But if the invitation is extended by the SEC or by the Big Ten, like if Carolina and Duke can go to the Big Ten coming up, like that's going to happen. That's a natural. F- if they let Maryland in, and I know it's a D.C. market, great, a good market. It is, but like Carolina is the Jordan brand, folks. The Jordan brand is North Carolina. Also, they're kicking ass in football. I'm not sure if you guys have, you know realized this recently. It's a kick-ass football program, and you know adding Duke is like a no-brainer. I, I think too. If you're gonna add Carolina, you're gonna add Duke. I mean, Duke Carolina basketball is like the basketball game every single year. They do it twice. They sometimes do it three times. Oh, they did it four. Is it three or four times last year? They did. It? I think it was three. Right? They, they could have done it four, and they ended up doing it three times. I forgot they played in the ACC tournament. I don't think they did. They did. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm not sure if they did or not. But uh, you know, like that, they would they would do that if the SEC said Clemson and South Carolina, or Clemson, FSU, and uh, Miami, come here, guys, come join the party, right? Come come get in on this. I think there, I think that would happen. And here's the thing: the ACC could probably sign a massive deal, you know, in 2036, a really strong deal that would put them in a great spot because of those brands. But I'd assume. That with the way live sports have exploded, and once again, this is 15 years away, right? But like, what is stopping them from just taking the money, the, the unequal revenue share, in the in the next 10 years, and then when it's time for them to bolt, just bolt? There's nothing stopping them from doing that. And so that's what I don't understand about all of this. Is you know, is like, why if you're Wake Forest, would you agree to this? Maybe they leave eventually anyway. But what's stopping them from just taking more of your money and leaving now? Or, or, or excuse me, taking more of your money, more of your money, and then leaving. Maybe it's like, well, we want to appease them. They want to be here, and also we might offer them a better chance to win. But like, who knows what the college football landscape will look like? And if if the SEC keeps going up, guys, I mean, it's going to be hard to close that gap. Like the ACC, if they went to market, they would have a reasonable chance, I think, of being within twenty million dollars of the SEC in the Big Ten. But like maybe around sixty million per school, maybe. Maybe 50 plus per school, maybe. But I don't think they touch the Big Ten. I don't think they touch the SEC. I don't think they would. I, re- I really don't think they would. So 
um, because the, because the brands, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, like I know FSU, Miami are great brands, strong brands are up there as well. But like they've been kicking ass, you know, spit everywhere. They've been kicking ass and taking names in football in, in recent years. Miami had a great year this year, but they're not normally doing that. So that is why I think this is, uh, you know, with the um, you know with the uneven distribution. I don't understand why they would consent to this. And from what it sounds like in this, uh, from this piece, and I, once again, I encourage you all to go read this. I encourage you all to go, go read this article. Um, it, it sounds like addition is their best opportunity, but it's not sound like they're really on board with adding teams. I would not be afraid from a Big 12 perspective about the, pack, about the ACC, at least right now, picking off teams that I have interest in. Um, you know, and I also don't think Oregon and Washington are super interested in going and taking like a, basically a similar amount to being in the Big 12 and going to have to travel all the way across country for all of their games. I would much rather go play in the Big 10 where there's a couple West Coast partners and go that direction or Midwest partners in the, in the Big 12 than I would go join the ACC, especially for the dollar, dollar figures. Like it's not going to make it worth it to travel across the country all the time at that point in time. It's just not going to make it worth it. And also, the future prospects of it don't seem to make it worth it because if Oregon and Washington go, would that preclude, uh, you know, would that preclude Clemson, FSU, those schools from leaving down the line? I'm not sure it does, especially because they're in the SEC footprint. So you can make more money, go play in the SEC and play SEC schools in your part of the country and uh, make more money in the end of the day. That's why it feels like we're heading to super conferences, right? Like uh, they're just going to go to that conference when the, when the moment comes. And we'll see what happens. There's a lot to be determined. But that's why from the smaller ACC schools, I am not consenting to this. So go check this out. Andrea Adelson had, uh, wrote up this along with David Hale. And the comments from the ADs are very interesting. But it sounds like this stuff has been on the table at a lot of the ACC meetings. They mentioned weighted distribution, what AD said. Alternative revenue, as one athletic director has said as well. Um, and then Jim Phillips also said, you know, it's, it's preliminary discussions that is having right now. So you know, that, that, that's what they're having uh, right now at this point in time. Um, and then also I saw a really, good, a really good quote, you know, from one of the ADs in this, basically saying that, like, we just, you know, watched two ships sink, essentially, and we're sitting here thinking it won't happen to us. Right, I think that's part of it too. It's like this. This is a very real possibility that it could happen to them as well. So there is so much on the table for the ACC, and they have to get really creative. I think they've got a ton of time to do it. Uh, you know, I think they've got plenty of time to do this right now. Yeah, let's see. In the last two years, we've seen two of our neighbors' houses catch fire. The AD lamented, and we keep thinking ours won't be next. Just a really good, strong, self-aware quote, but. I think that Mike Alford is posturing here. Uh, I think it also shows that while the ACC has plenty of time and a solid grant of rights, the Big 12 has more time to climb ahead of the ACC and then actually put themselves in a situation where they are ahead of the ACC. And guys, if they go to market twice before the ACC does, and look, once again, it, tell me why I'm wrong here about, you know, if UVA, Duke, Carolina, and Virginia Tech, Big Ten says, come join us. And I actually think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, those four schools make a lot of sense for the ground they cover. Uh, and also the, the quality of, you know, the quality of what they're offering. Like, that's actually in the, in the footprint. And Virginia Tech's, you know, I know they're bad, but it's still a very, very valuable brand with how dedicated the fan base is and actually how decent their viewership is. Um, UVA academically fits right into 
especially in the basketball is going to fit right into. And then Duke and Carolina, you know, two fantastic academic schools and obviously the branding they have uh, for college hoops implications is fantastic. Like, I think there's a good chance that the Big 12 is going to have to collect as much real estate as possible to be like, hey, we can still be third. We can be third because right now they're going to get two cracks of the apple here. They got the first one, one TV deal done. They're going to have a second one in 2035. Uh, they might get that third one, uh, or 2030, so, excuse, excuse me, 2030, they'll get a chance at it. I bet they'll set their next deal as a five-year deal to make sure they beat the ACC the next time. And then at that point, folks, you know, I think that's where the ACC schools will begin contemplating this. But here's the funny part about this. This is all decades away. But you're seeing this conversation happen right now and play out because the ACC is thinking, we're stuck. We're stuck in this right now in our distribution model and our TV contract. The Big 12 must say it is our opportunity, but also look forward to the future and say when this thing breaks up, or if it does break up, we must be prepared to live on. We must have so much real estate, you know, out west, out east, and have valuable brands that do are doing some winning. They got to keep winning here in the next 10 years. We can cover all the time zones. We can play, you know, everybody can you know, everybody's playing, there's high-level basketball, there's high-level football, that they make sure they are included in whatever the future of college football looks like. But for the ACC, I think, you know, obviously, once again, decade-plus of time, but it's really interesting to see this story happening right now, and they're almost in this, you know, they're in, a, I guess, they're in, like, a, a prison cell right now. Now, it's safe, there's nice bed, there is a comfortable bed, they have running water, but they're still locked into the prison cell. There's not a whole lot of mobility, not a lot of way to keep climbing up the ladder, adding value for them in the immediate because of how long their TV deal is. So I think this is a fascinating situation. All right, a uh, quick break here, and then we'll preview the weekend coming up in the old Big 12 for uh, basketball. Final weekend of the season. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are brought to you all by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by FanDuel, the number one uh, number one sportsbook in America. Guys, beautiful, beautiful, clean, sleek, easy to use. Dying right now. Easy to use interface over there at FanDuel. I love using it. I highly recommend it, not just because they're a sponsor. It is actually what I use all the time. Just cashed one last night, my friends. Uh, Big 12 regular season champions on January 31st. I bet KU at plus 230. They cash, didn't even need the full regular season to do so. You guys can place wagers as well at uh, fanduel.com slash locked on. You guys can get your first bet risk-free up to up to $1,000 back in free bets now. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more. Fanduel sports book. All right, big Saturday coming up. So right now, when it comes to the Big 12, the first seed, the number one seed overall, that is settled. Not much else is. Um, not much else is settled as we head in to the final weekend. The first battle that we are looking at right now is the uh, is the number two seed, right? As we head into the weekend, the number two seeds can be fought after. It is Baylor eleven and six, Kansas State eleven and six, and Texas at 11 and six. A lot of people have worked out the scenarios, uh, I think right now, about what's supposed to do. But I think my mantra here for this is just win. Um, how about that, guys? Just just freaking win your games. Take care of business. Baylor's at home against Iowa State, who obviously the Caleb Grill situation is really, you know, an unfortunate one 
We'll get more information on that as things go along, but he's no longer with the program. Sinking ship. They're 17 and 12 now. They're 8 and 9 in league play. It's not saying it's awful, but like, how do we get here? My God. Um, that game, ESPN2, Baylor, you feel pretty good about their chances. Then you've got K-State taking on West Virginia at 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, K-State playing really good basketball right now. Jerome Tang has got them in a great spot. West Virginia, though, kind of on that edge right now. When you think about Joe Lenardi's bracketology and where he's got things currently shaking out, he believes that West Virginia is in, but not like firmly, firmly in. Like you've got, you know, you you could still be had in. Now, they're not in the last four in uh, as of, I'm looking at this now, March 2nd, but he's not updated it. Uh, He's got West Virginia as the, basically like almost off the bubble. Out of the 16 bubble teams, he has them as number two. So they're almost like, you know, far enough off the bubble. But that's not safe because Auburn, Mississippi State, Nevada, Boise, Wisconsin, Arizona State, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, they all have opportunities. But West Virginia, you can basically be in for sure. And it's funny, what do we think the target was coming into the year for Big 12 teams in terms of wins to make the NCAA tournament? Well, my best guess my best guess was around seven conference wins. They're right there at 6-11 and 11 right now. So massive game for them against K-State coming into this weekend. K-State just wins, and I believe they get that number two seed. So obviously a whole lot to play for there. Uh, down the line, we're talking about more. Uh, Texas hosts KU. This could have been a game for a share of the Big 12 championship. Uh-uh-uh, TCU, nice win. They get uh, last night, or last night when I'm recording this, Friday's episode, so two nights ago. Big win for them. They play Oklahoma, who is Jekyll and Hyde. I'm sure this is better than that one. will be weird. But KU and Texas, massive game, 3 o'clock, because Texas still playing for that number two seed. KU locks up that Big 12 championship or season. I think they're pretty set on that one line. I mean, the only way they could knock off is if they lose this game and then lose their first, round, their first game in the Big 12 tournament. I don't see that happening. Um, but that is there. And then a massive contest that is happening between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Massive, massive game. Oklahoma State outside looking in, as is Texas Tech. Texas Tech basically needs to not win out, but if they want to make the NCAA tournament, they need to make the Big 12 championship game. I think that's safe to say. I think making the Big 12 championship game might be enough to get them in, depending on what other schools around them do. That's what just shows you guys. It's a massive weekend ahead when it comes to Big 12 Hoops. We'll break it all down on Sunday's show. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, at LOBig12. You guys can find me, at Josh Neighbors underscore. The next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.